One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Messenger on C103. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls at 1850 uh, We would love to hear from you this morning. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. It is Wednesday, so that means later on in the programme, Peter Dowdle, our resident gardener, will be joining us. So if you've got gardening questions, you can get those into us throughout the morning and we'll put them to Peter a little bit uh, later on. Already I can see thoughts and comments coming in about the heated exchanges that happened in the Dáil yesterday with a row that erupted to do with the Belfast bus, the cataract bus that leaves from West Cork and Kerry. Now, it goes from other parts of the country as well, but in fairness to Michael Collins and Danny Healy Way, they started the cataract buses Belfast are blind, people were calling the bus at one stage. But there was a heated debate, a heated discussion spat yesterday in the draw. Now we're going to be discussing it a little bit later on because I want to get more the cont rather than the actual row itself, I want to get more the background to the story because the reason that the row happened was because Michael Collins from West Cork was trying to get some clarification about that particular cross-border initiative going forward when Brexit happens and would it mean that for people who want to go on the bus to get a cataract done or a knee operation or a hip operation, will that no longer happen after a Brexit? So I want to get clarity on that as well because I think that is important. So while we will discuss that a little bit later on, the exchange that happened was mainly between the two Michaels, uh, the Taoiseach Micheál Martin and Council or Deputy uh, Michael Healy Ray, in case you missed it, this is what happened yesterday. I was reliably informed through the chair that Deputy Healy Ray approached people outside a mess to say, I can get you on the bus if you want a cataract. The, 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 the woman concerned said, You should take that back. You're a disgrace. You're only in the bottom of the barrel now coming out with that document and cop on a small bit, Tisha. Could I, could I just deal in terms of. I relax, relax, relax. I said, I'm not telling you, sit down. Can't call her, I'm not you. And conduct, God 
planet that's an awful thing to say. And spoiling It's the truth. It's not to be joked. If somebody blind to you was going blind, uh, you wouldn't like on. it. Calm down. OK, a lot of people have to say, we put it up on our Facebook page yesterday and a lot of people are very, very annoyed with Hall Martin, the Taoiseach and the Taoiseach's uh, comments about the cataract bus, but in particular his comments towards Michael Healy Ray. Um, and already we're getting comments in this morning. Patricia, hi, the Taoiseach needs to apologise to all the people who've availed of this service. He's supposed to be the leader of the country. He's a disgrace. Only for the likes of Deputy Michael Collins and Deputy Danny Healy Ray across the border in Kerry those people would be blind uh, today. And on our Facebook feed, just to give you an example of some of the thoughts that came in when we put it up on Facebook yesterday, Michael Martin showed once again how he doesn't give one damn about anyone, only his own position in government. It is shameful, says Patrick. Well done to Michael Healy Ray for giving it back to him. He should issue a public apology to Michael Healy Ray and all the people who've had to go to the north because of our non-existent health service, which he changed when he was Minister for Health. Theresa said, absolutely disgraceful behaviour from a Taoiseach. Jack says... Good on Michael Healy Ray. If our so-called leader was able to tie your shoelaces, you might just be of some use. A statement like that is embarrassing. Who actually cares where it was said? That was the reference to you stopping the woman out coming out of mass so long as the person got the help that he or she need, whether it's cataracts, a hip replacement, says Jack, or whatever. There's a lot of people would love to be able to avail of that bus. Adrian said he's an embarrassment to Cork. Michael Healy Ray has done more for his constituents. Martina said, what a thundering disgrace when he really showed what he thinks about the people he represents. We have nothing more. We are nothing more than annoyances to him. He should do the right thing now and resign. Strong words from Martina. And Sinead says, the shocking behaviour from the Taoiseach. Those cataract buses to the north have given life back to the people and also the hip and knee replacements that were done up north. Well done to the Healy Ways and to Michael Collins for organising these buses and whether the arrangements are made outside a mass, outside of the local shop or wherever they're made is hardly the point. The point is that life-changing work is getting done. Shame on our Taoiseach to poke fun at this in the doll. Okay, so they're just, as I say, some of the comments of how people felt about that particular spat. But we will discuss the issue of the cross-border initiative and the cross-border directive. Will it remain in place? What is going to happen post-Brexit? 1st of January... United Kingdom will be out of the EU. Does that mean that from the 1st of January, people will not be able to avail of those buses? Now, I know I listened to the longer piece of the question that was put in by Michael Collins and then the answer from uh, the Taoiseach. And he did go into a detail about something we mentioned on the programme a couple of weeks ago, which is the dedicated cataract surgery theatre, which is going to open at the South Infirmary in Cork and the tenders are gone out uh, for it. But the problem is, if you have a cataract that's getting worse on a daily basis, you don't have a lot of time in which to get that operation done. And if you delay the operation, then there is the possibility, and it has happened to people, that they have lost their sight. And you take sight away from 
someone and in mainly it's older people you are taking their independence away from them so time isn't on the side of everyone and while it will be terrific to have a dedicated cataract surgery theatre here in Cork and I think they were saying they could do about was it 2,000 cataracts a year it will be fabulous when it's up on, up and running but in the meantime while we await that theatre to open there will be Every single month, more and more people wanting to avail of the cross-border directive, wanting to go up north to have their cataract done because they're not going to take the risk of waiting until they can get the surgery done locally. So therefore, I do think those buses will be running as long as there is a cross-border directive. But when the 1st of January comes, the UK are out of the EU so that cross-border directive may not be available to many people so we will discuss that particular issue in more pe- in more detail because I think the number is around 2,000 people have availed of the buses that have gone that's just the buses that have gone from Cork and Kerry others other politicians and other community activists have seen how successful the cataract buses have been out of Cork and Kerry and they've been, there's been other buses organised all over the country. It's, it's not just here, but it was certainly started by Michael Collins and uh, Danny Healyway. So we'll look at that in more detail today. Can I go to a good news story and something that we've touched on since the budget last year, which is now almost a year away when you consider that this year's budget is going to happen next week. And that was the announcement that was made last year that there was going to be improvements to how people get a medical card, in particular for those over 70, in that the income limits uh, were going to be increased for the over 70s in order for them to qualify for a full medical card. But the problem was that the Minister for Health at the time didn't sign off on the legislation that was needed in order to bring in the new income limits for the over 70s. And also part of that was to reduce prescription charges. And we've had many calls in from listeners who are particularly those people with the income limits who were just slightly over for a full medical card. But when the new income limits come in, they were celebrating last year when it was announced in the budget and yet they've had to wait uh, a year. Well, I can tell you finally yesterday, the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, uh, secured the funding that was needed to introduce the measures to the medical cards. So what does it mean? The, it means that the over 70s medical card limit will be increased to 550 euro per week for a single person. It's currently at 500 euro. And for a couple, it'll go to 1,050 euro. At the moment, for a couple, it's 900 euro per uh, week. Um, and the, and actually those income limits have been in place. I didn't realise this for the last six years. So there's been some people waiting six uh, years. There's also going to be a reduction in prescription cards, prescription charges for all medical card holders. About 1.58 million people will benefit from that. People over 70, the cost for prescriptions will be reduced from 150 to 1 euro per item and that will mean to a maximum of 
10 euro per month for prescriptions at the moment I think they pay uh, 15 that will go down to 10 if they're getting 10 items and for those under the age of 70 who have a medical card their prescription charges also drop to 150 per item I think they're currently at 2 euro so they'll go down 50 cent and to to a maximum of 15 euro per month and then if you're on the drugs payment scheme that's for people who don't have a medical card there's also to be a reduction on how much you would pay per month that goes down by 10 euro and you'll pay 114 euro per month on the drugs payment uh, scheme and when does it all kick in it kicks in from the 1st of November so if you're paying for your prescriptions this month you'll pay the old rate but come the 1st of November your prescription charges will drop but for people on a medical card over 70s trying to get a full medical card it's the important one for them the income limits go up from the 1st of November so I'm glad that is a good news story and I'm happy to bring that good news story to you can I also catch up with some emails that have been coming into the programme and just we we get swamped some days with lots of calls and texts and we don't always get around to, to the emails but we, we always read every one of the emails and we do our best throughout the week to uh, slot them in so some emails have come in and this is to do in particular with moving should we go from level three to level five and what was the reason why we're moving from level two to level three and we had mentioned at one stage it was to do with house parties and I mentioned there was other parties mentioned like communions, christenings, funerals had all attributed to increase in numbers in certain areas. So that prompted Katrina to contact me to say just want to say we celebrated our little girl's first Holy Communion last Saturday. We abided by all of the rules. We just celebrated with ourselves by going for a meal. No nanas, no granddads, no aunties, no uncles, no cousins like we had originally planned to have a party at our house where all of the extended family would have been invited. Now we did go to the nanas and the granddads for a quick call just to get some photographs. We even took those photographs outside. We didn't even go into the nanas and the granddads' houses. It's just so maddening to hear the news break this week that we are all going back into a lockdown after we have been trying our best and sacrificing the first big celebration in our house and also people blaming the communion parties for this mess among other parties. Please don't paint all of us with the same brush. Don't get me wrong, our little girl still had the best day of her life, as she said herself. If people just did what they were told from the start didn't get lazy about this situation we wouldn't be in the mess we're finding ourselves in now it is going to be a very long winter love the joke up the good uh, work keeping us updated stay safe and that is from Katrina I can sense your frustration at Katrina and I think a lot of people will identify with Katrina people who are doing everything right and then it is the minority who end up ruining it for the majority but thrilled to hear Katrina that you had such a lovely day and you can also now almost heave a sigh of relief and be very thankful that your little girl's First Holy Communion was scheduled for last Saturday because any First Holy Communion celebrated 
confirmed for this Saturday. They obviously now have all been uh, postponed. So good to know that your daughter had the best day of her life and she'll have all the wonderful memories of it. But a different day, absolutely. Okay. also in on email, I think that the government have a lot to answer for and they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. They opened up the country for everyone, encouraging staycations, pushed ahead with colleges, reopening, etc. When really, what did they expect? Of course, everyone is going to become a little bit complacent and push the boundaries all the time. The government want our money to be spent in the economy, but that does come at a price. The temptation is simply too much for all of us. We need to go back into lockdown, back into level five to learn again that we must all take this disease very seriously. And if we don't adhere to the basic rules of socialising, then that privilege will be taken away from us. And when we do behave correctly, then we can progress into living alongside the virus. This is my opinion anyway. And I have children working. I have children in college and I have children in school. So I'm looking at it from all different angles, says a listener. No name on that. And then Anne says, those people who are against a further lockdown obviously have not had somebody close to them affected by this virus. I wonder if they had a mother, a brother, a daughter, a father, a son are either suffering or clinging to life or even that they a, lo- a loved one had died from this deadly virus, would they still be feeling the same? And that's from Anne emailing Patricia at c103.ie. Tom says, I'd be a Fianna Fáil man myself, but fair play to Michael Healy Ray for giving out to me Hall Martin. It's uh, the Healy race that we need leading this country, says uh, Tom. Winnie Amalo says, I was on the cataract waiting list here in Cork for five years. I finally had my left eye done through my medical card but it was done at the Martyr Private as a public patient. I have had my second eye done on the 25th of September last and I am perfect. Fantastic Winnie great to hear but it was all done in the Martyr Private here in Cork mainly because I was on the list so long. The Martyr told me that they've done about 20 patients from medical cards. They are trying to shorten the list. Yeah they're just not doing enough Winnie that's the problem. There's so many people on that list when you think 2,000 have gone on the bus out of West Cork between West Cork and uh, Kerry we just we need that dedicated cataract surgery theatre that Micheál Martin spoke about yesterday in the Daw, the one that they're planning for the South Infirmary but we need it yesterday rather than tomorrow. Olive in Donnerail says our so-called leader showed his true colours yesterday. Olive felt that Micheál Martin was a disgrace. People are losing loved ones and can't even say goodbye. And all our leader is bothered about is the discussion that took place after mass between Michael Healy Ray and one of his constituents. My God, we are all doomed, says Olive from uh, Donnerail. Hi, Patricia. If Micheál Martin had to go up the north to get a cataract operation, he'd be fine. He would have his state uh, car. Some of your WhatsApps, Patricia, we need more people in government like Michael Collins and Michael Healy Ray. They remember the people and where they came from and the struggle that people have to live with on a daily basis. Hi, Patricia. Micheál Martin was wrong to joke about Michael Healy Ray asking his constituents outside Mass about the bus for the cataract operations. But he did pay compliments to Michael Healy Ray later in his speech about the good work he was doing in order organising those buses and he was saying it would be better off to have those operations done in the south than having to 
take a bus to go north. But the state of the economy, it might be hard to see that happening. But why not borrow the money? As the government seem to be borrowing for everything else. I heard yesterday it's going to cost the state 15 million euro between now and Christmas to pay for the extra guardy pay and overtime that they're setting up with the extra checkpoints. Yeah, that's from Jim. You're right, Jim. I'm hoping to do a piece about that a little bit later on. It's a, a staggering amount of money. But the Gardaí are out with all of these checkpoints as and from today. Certainly for the next uh, three weeks, there will be a lot of checkpoints in place to make sure that people are not leaving their county. I think the Gardaí, they're doing like 12-hour shifts and a lot of it obviously is going to be overtime. But yes, you're right, 15 million uh, euro what is what will be paid out on overtime between now and Christmas for the uh, Gardaí. And Patricia, when you're talking about what happened between Micheál Martin and... Michael Healy Way, did you hear what Matty McGrath said about Dr. Tony Houlihan and where had he been been for the past few months? That to me is a complete disgrace that Matty McGrath should be thrown out. What a muppet. We have a fair shower in government, says uh, John. And actually, Matty McGrath has come out and apologised. He is the Tipperary Independent uh, TD. He did apologise for the remarks he made about uh, Tony uh, Houlihan earlier in the day. Matthew McGrath, I think he was asked about, they, they, the discussion was to do with Neffet and the Neffet recommendations to move to level five. And Matthew McGrath obviously was completely against moving to a level five. And he said, Matthew McGrath says, when talking about Tony Houlihan, uh, was he with the World Health Organization for the last couple of months listening to listening to them or where was he? And of course, the entire country, including Matty McGrath, knows that Dr. Tony Houlihan, the reason that he'd taken leave of absence was to care for his sick wife, who is at the was suffering from terminal uh, cancer. And he only returned to his role on Sunday now. Matty McGrath has apologised and he said I made comments earlier about Dr Houlihan and I asked where he had been for the last few months. I understand totally where he has been. He was looking after his sick, sick wife and I profoundly apologise if I caused any offence. I was asking in the context of the leaking of the Neffet briefing on Sunday night and the whole for all uh, surrounding that. But he, ha- he has gone on to apologise but a lot of people and I'm, I'm, I'm sure Dr Tony Houlihan must have been deeply upset as indeed his family were must have been when they heard that comment but Matty McGrath has since apologised 1850 333 103 when we were discussing moving into level three, people were wondering about visiting restrictions at Cork University Hospital because, of course, we were talking about that you wouldn't be able to visit somebody in a nursing home or in a long-term residential uh, unit. And people were asking, what's the goal with uh, Cork University Hospital? So we got on to Cork University Hospital and they told us yesterday that, while they've limited visiting hours. It's the one hour a day that people were allowed in for. That was still going ahead. Well, they've changed their minds now. And the latest from Cork University Hospital, they say that Due to infection control issues and mindful of national COVID-19 guidelines, Cork University Hospital will be prohibiting visiting from today until further notice. Now, obviously, in cases they say of end of life care, limited visiting will be allowed by arrangement, but no 
visiting to Cork University Hospital that's in place from today until further notice. Now according to the results of a major international study, one in four Irish motorists admitted to having struggled to stay awake while driving. The results of the study were presented at an online academic lecture and it was to mark the start of Irish Road Safety Week. Brian Farrer of the Road Safety Authority joins me. Good morning to you Brian. Good morning Patricia. And good to talk to you. Now does driver fatigue contribute do you believe to many serious road accidents? Yeah we estimate that it's a contributory factor and this is based on international um, uh, reviews that we've conducted and, 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 and conversations we, we've had with other countries uh, who, who have data uh, and, and that is one in five of the fatal collisions that are happening on our roads every year could have fatigue as a contributing factor and and that is a concern and it, it's a concern as well as you mentioned when we see the results of this pan-European study saying that uh, one in four of us have said that they've uh, driven while sleepy and tired behind the wheel and uh, I suppose an even bigger concern is uh, our own study that we did last year of driver attitudes behaviour found that 16% had actually nodded off or fallen asleep at the wheel or admitted to doing so in the previous six months. So I, I, I think it's a case of us maybe not taking drive fatigue as seriously as, as, as things like drink driving or dr- using a mobile phone or, or, or speeding. And of course, that was the whole purpose of the, you know, the, 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 the academic lecture that we held was to just highlight how serious it, an issue it is. And, and of course, our ongoing uh, campaigns to, to raise awareness of, of the issue. But critically, what to do if you're, uh, you know, tired behind the wheel. And of course, that is, first of all, don't fight sleep if you're tired behind the wheel. Stop, sip and sleep. That's up somewhere safe. Uh, uh, get a cup of coffee if you can or a caffeinated drink and then have a 15 minute nap or power nap. Uh, and then you should be good to go for another hour and the, or two. And but, the, the, yeah. key, the key to that is you drink the coffee first and then go for the sleep, isn't it? Yeah, and, and we actually got some pushback from members of the public saying, you know, you've got it wrong, it should be the other way around. But no, in fact, the, the, the science behind this is that uh, you stop and you get your cup of coffee, then you, you set your, your, your alarm on your mobile phone for 15 minutes and you go for your little power nap. When you wake up, the caffeine takes about 20 minutes to a half an hour to start to, to work. Ah. So when you wake up, the caffeine is starting to kick in and you get the double benefit of the power nap plus the caffeine kicking in. But a lot of people also say, uh, Patricia, well, look, you know, I stop somewhere and I don't have anywhere to get a cup of coffee. It could be late. There's nowhere open. Look, the key thing is the nap. Mm. You know, when you're suffering from a lack of sleep, which is the problem here, the only cure is sleep. So getting the power nap is the most important thing to do. The coffee is kind of the bonus, uh, you know, uh, the cherry on top. Uh, the, 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 the nap is, is the key thing. And, and of course, the message we're hammering home is never fight sleep with the wheel. And of course, it's people who are, uh, what we tend to find is the people most at risk are, 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 are young males because they tend to fight the sleep and ignore the signs. Uh, shift workers, so anyone who's working irregular hours or, 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 or shift working through the night they're at risk and for obvious reasons as you can imagine and people who drive long distance for a living and certainly truck drivers and bus drivers would be in the high risk category for for for, for driver fatigue and that argument sure i'm only i'm only another 10 miles to go and i'll be home and i'll be able to climb into bed you know i'm very close to home why would i pull in and it's really that that last little bit of the journey could be the part yeah. where you do nod off 
Yeah, and I don't know if anyone remembers an ad campaign we had on air about 10 years ago. It, it, it featured Charlie Mitchell, who lost his brother Fran in a fatigue-related collision. He was a nurse. He was coming home late. And the crash happened literally just a couple of kilometres from their home. Oh, He'd God. almost made it home. And, and, and the cause of the crash was, 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 was driver fatigue. And, and yes, that, you're absolutely right, Patricia. The message here is that you don't fight sleep at the wheel. Now, it doesn't suddenly creep up on you and you suddenly fall asleep. Um, what happens is you you experience tiredness and you're yawning and you're probably taking making you know doing things like rolling down the window turning up the radio maybe even smoking a cigarette and crazy as it may seem i've heard people uh, stories of people trapping their hair on the sunroof to try and hold their head up and stay oh. awake unbelievable but none of these things work you can't ignore the signs you have to stop and get a rest and get that 15 minute power nap and 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 that's that's the key now there are people who suffer sleep disorders like sleep apnea and that's where the uh, airways obstructed uh, you know when you're asleep at night and you may be carrying excess weight you may be a heavy snorer and what's happening there is your airways getting um, uh, is closing at night time and you're having to snore and almost your body wakes yourself up to try and you know counteract the fact that there's no airway air getting into your airway and uh, that results in uh, a very poor night's sleep and excessive tiredness during the day. And what we'd advise anyone who, if this sounds familiar, you know, if anyone's listening and this sounds familiar, go to your GP, say that you think you might have sleep apnea, and it's something that is completely 100% treatable and can be fixed. And, you know, uh, you, you get a device called a CPAP machine. It helps you sleep at night and push air in, into your airway. Uh, but it is a real serious issue out there you're seven times more likely to have a crash than the ordinary population if you are someone who suffers from sleep apnea. That's so a, that's go a, to that's your a high, uh, high statistic. And I was watching on the news the other night just showing the devastation that can occur with somebody falling asleep at the wheel. Did you see that young doctor yeah. who was talking about she'd come off a night shift and she needed, she was going for an interview and she doesn't yeah. remember. She, just, she knows she was very tired well, getting into I, the car and doesn't remember anything and she, she woke up in the hospital. I'll tell you a story there. That's Laura Doherty. She's yeah, she was a doctor, and she I think she was she was travelling from one end of the country to the other. She doesn't remember, but she fell asleep at the wheel, and she was literally in the National Rehabilitation Hospital uh, just weeks after the crash. And uh, we were doing our Christmas uh, launch uh, in that year. I think it was 2010, maybe. And uh, our then chairperson Gay Byrne was going around and visiting all the patients in the hospital, and. And he met with Laura and uh, had had an incredible conversation with Laura. And she had pictures all over her, her cubicle of, of all her friends and families to try and help re- recover her memory because she suffers from short-term memory loss as a result of an acquired brain injury that she picked up following the crash. But uh, years later, when she you know when she she got out of the hospital, she 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 joined us and helped us promote one of our campaigns. And she met Gay again, and she had no recollection at all of ever meeting Gay and wow. she was told that she'd met him and she had no recollection and it is it is it is it is you know Laura is incredibly brave and, and, and we owe a huge debt to people like 
folklore who come forward uh, still to, to tell their story so that others can, can learn from it and maybe not go through what they and their family have gone through. But yeah, Laura can never practice medicine again. Her which life is, is, is destroyed. Really Her life is just uh, destroyed all for just that split second, as you say fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's shocking. Okay, so please, please stop, sip and, and have a, have a nap. Sleep, that's, yeah. that's the me- message. Sleep, yeah. Okay, and the other um, issue I want to deal, want to yeah. chat to you about, Brian, because I saw you commenting on this on the papers yesterday and that's delays with uh, driving tests. Yes. How long are people waiting at the moment and can we expect any improvement? Well, the people who are scheduled for their test this week, you know, probably have had to wait maybe 10 to 12 weeks for their test. But the situation is going to get worse. And we want to let people know this, that because of the fact that we were shut down for four months, we have a backlog of of applicants that we're trying to get through. We're also operating at only 75% capacity because of of all the measures we've had to put in place to to, to manage, uh, you know, during the COVID-19 health crisis. So, so that means that we're not doing as many tests as we normally would in a day and it also means that it's going to take us longer to get through this backlog of, 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 of applications. But what we are doing, and I suppose what we're saying is that people who are applying now could face up to uh, a 30 week wait before they get uh, before they get scheduled a driving test but look we, we are looking at measures we have implemented measures now in the short term to introduce uh, greater capacity into the system uh, like uh, you know scheduling additional overtime tests testing on Saturdays we've managed to increase the number of tests per day from 5 to 6 in mid-September so that's helped a bit we've also rehired 19 uh, driver testers who are pre Previously employed with us on temporary contracts, but we do need something more significant to tackle this uh, this situation. And and we are talking and working with the department on on on, on a package of measures to to uh, you know to to, to to deal with the backlog. Um, but that's not going to be something short term. I think we're looking at. Uh, um, 2021 before we have that solution on the pitch, uh, Patricia. But if I could just add one other point as well, and I think I've spoken to you about this before on the show, uh, Patricia, that um, we we still, it's hard to believe this, but about 10% of candidates aren't actually showing up for their driving test now, even still. And uh, 6% are turning up with their uh, documentation, not in order, like their NCT's out of date, their taxes out of date, or their insurance. So the first thing I'd say is that, please, if you can't show up for your test, let us know, and let us know in good time so we can give it to someone else who needs it, and uh, critically make sure you're turning up with your, with, with your, with your documentation. In terms of how we're scheduling people for their test, look, I mean, we're prioritising essential workers and, and, and emergency services workers, but the interest of fairness, we're, we're scheduling appointments on the basis of when people actually applied. Now, if you do need a test, an urgent test, we do have a cancellation list. We can put you on the cancellation list, but to be honest with you, that's... Um, that's probably going to become quite lengthy as, as, as customers are cancelling less frequently. Because Anne contacted us uh, this morning when she heard you were coming on the programme. Actually, she'd contacted us coincidentally yesterday uh, as well. She's very nervous about do- doing her driving test because of COVID-19. And she's wondering, have the RSA any plans to suspend driving tests? Now, reading through the message that she sent, sent in yesterday, like she's done her test three times in unfortunately hasn't managed to pass she just seems to be very nervous about it and now she's got the added 
pressure of worried about COVID-19. And I did make the point when I read out her text yesterday, you're going to great lengths to make sure that everyone is safe from a COVID point of view, aren't you? Yeah, and of course, you know, it's not just, you know, we, we have to make sure that both our staff and our obligations to our staff and our customers are safe and that the, there's a safe environment to conduct a driving test. And those measures are there. And we've even produced a, a handy video on our on our YouTube channel, RSA Ireland, where we show what the driving test looks like now in COVID land. So people can go on and have a look and see and they can get an expectation of what measures are in place and what to expect when they go in to do a driving test now. So look, all I can say to that customer is that when the uh, lockdowns happened in Kildare and Leash and Offaly, the lockdown at level three in Dublin for the last number of weeks, we've been operating the driving test as normal with all those procedures in place. And the same applies now that the situation with level three has been extended nationwide. Um, in relation to the nerves that uh, your listener talked about, and, and, and she's tried a number of times and failed um, well, all, all I could suggest is that the next time she applies if she maybe just wants to put a little note there and ask that maybe she be assigned someone who can uh, maybe a supervisor or something who can just schedule uh, who can do the test with her and what that means is that uh, the, the, the uh, supervisor can maybe just spend that little bit of extra time with that uh, with that candidate uh, so that maybe nerves are, are maybe not so much a factor and that she's not feeling under pressure. Okay, well done. Well, well That's done. something that we, we, we would normally do in situations where people are saying that they, they suffer from excessive Cause some, Yeah, because some people, the, the nerves can get the better. We're all, we were all nervous during our driving test, but for some oh, people yeah. it, it just takes over. Caught says, what about the te- theory test? My son has one scheduled in Waterford, but we live in Cork with the restrictions. Do we now have to cancel? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. And, and, and yes, that is something that, you know, may affect customers if they do have to go uh, across county boundaries to avail of a service in another area. Yeah, that, that, that I'm afraid is, 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 is a situation yes. that uh, people uh, unfortunately will be impacted by. Yes. Cancel for the next three weeks yeah. and, and reschedule. Hopefully, level will be out of level three and three now, Just to mention for the customer there on the driver theory test, you know, there was, there was publicity there about a month ago in relation to capacity within the, the driver theory test but there's been significant added capacity added to the driver theory test so you know shouldn't have too much of an issue rescheduling that and, and maybe even in, in, in Cork Okay alright listen uh, Brian you're a mind of information as always thank you for that uh, stay safe and thanks for joining us Thank you bye bye Good morning to you that is uh, Brian Farrell of the Road Safety Authority This is Cork Today Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Cork's greatest You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. In the last hour, I was speaking with Brian Farrell of the Road Safety Authority about that study that's out showing that one in five Irish motorists have admitted to struggling to stay awake while driving and Brian giving all the advice on what to do if you feel yourself nodding off at the wheel. Some of your thoughts in. Heidi says, Hi Patricia, I'm driving while tired. I've often texted your programme before about how unsafe some of our roads can be. We've built motorways. Look at the Cork to Dublin uh, motorway. Not a brake station where you could go to the toilet or get a cup of coffee which is what Brian Farrell of the RSA was uh, talking about. Why did they not 
put in those service stations when they were building the motorway and that isn't the only motorway that lacks services like that. Nicola says, Patricia, your expert Brian Farrell mentioned sleep apnea. Well, I have sleep apnea and I have to use a CPAP machine. Before I was diagnosed, I had a close call while driving. My CPAP machine has made a massive difference to my life. I will not drive now unless I've had at least four hours on my machine the previous night. I regularly drive in the UK. I should have said I did before lockdown. I always keep a Red Bull equivalent, a caffeine drink. Always keep one in the car instead of, you know, if you can't stop to get coffee, which is what Brian had been saying as well. Always keep one in the car, along with a banana for those long journeys. I stop after two hours, eat the banana, drink the drink and then nap for 15 minutes. I would urge anyone who thinks that they may have sleep apnea to please seek help. It makes a huge difference to your quality of life and it may even save your life or the lives of others. All the best. That's from Nicola to WhatsApp. Thank you for that, Nicola. And Michael says, Patricia, as you're discussing falling sleep at the wheel, pardon the pun but another reason that wasn't mentioned was one that also happens and I would say it's um, I it's people who are suffering from celiac disease. If you suffer from celiac disease, it can cause you to nod off without any alcohol. The biggest problem is staying awake in the middle of the day to kind of get a slump. You can feel very heavy. Having the disease treated, your your sleeplessness is gone. It's amazing the volume of people who has or are celiac in this country thanking you. Uh, Yeah, the amount of undiagnosed celiacs in this country, Michael, you are so right. It's one of the reasons why so many people have problems with uh, gluten and when you already will see a number of people have gone on to gluten free diets and Annalise Drissel when we're doing our nutritional slot every week she's often spoken about that about the amount of people in this country that have problems with gluten and with wheat and for many people that's what it is it's an undiagnosed celiac disease thank you for your text Michael to 0862 103 103 now yesterday I spoke with independent councillor Declan Hurley from West Cork who was highlighting the lack of recycling facilities in Dunmanway with no plans by the way to reinstate the bring sites that uh, were available in the town prior to COVID-19. Well from Oifina Fall Councillor Deirdre O'Brien has contacted the programme about the lack of civic amenity sites in the Fomoy area and the possibility that that's leading to a dumping. Good morning to you Deirdre. Good morning, Patricia. Deirdre, I'm very well. I had to jog my memory on this one yesterday evening because it was back in 2008 I did an interview about the council trying to buy a site close to Fomoy Town to open a civic amenity site. That civic amenity site never opened. Is it the only area of Cork not to have a civic amenity site? It is, Patricia. Since the region, I suppose, the boundary there, like with the Fomoy, with Fomoy Town and Mitchell Town, and we have no civic amenity site. Now, you're right, it's going back for years. Councils have raised it over years. I suppose I was elected in 2016 and it was one of the first motions I raised and people came to me just to get this up again and I had they had my support. So, um, but like, we kept being told over and over again that this funding isn't there. But like, I think in the long run, it's it's bad match in the sense that we're here in Fomimistan. We've, we've to drive to Mallow to a civic community site. Like, what does that cost for people? Then we have all the flight tipping around. Then we've litter wardens, the cost of getting litter wardens out to collect up that, um, the litter. And I will say, the Mallow is there. But I brought up the meeting one day and I was told to bring your litter to Mallow when you're coming to the meeting. But the meeting was on Monday and 
civic meeting site was actually closed on the Monday. Yeah, but that's okay for you. You're, you, you, you're driving to Mallow. Uh, but not everybody has access to a car. Not everybody is in a position. And I always think for any kind of recycling, we have to make it as easy as possible for people. Indeed. And like you know yourself, if you're going to recycling um, a civic meeting site, you're actually going to be bringing bulk waste. You're, you possibly would need a trailer. Yeah. You know, not everything you could get into your car. And like again, like that, you know, you're here talking about roads and that. And we're like, I suppose there's the sitting on Friday in, in the N73, which I fully support. And um, but look at that road for people driving on that road. The last thing you want is to be bringing a trailer that you might be used to driving it on that road. And also, um, like how often we we'll say during COVID, there people did clean out all the garages and that. Mm. Like where is that ending up? Yeah. You know, and I saw myself. I was doing it myself, and what I had to do was bit by bit put into my wheelie bin every week. Just was like, you know, I think a lot of it is, this, you know, um, what can I say? We, we're not being um, proactive here, we're being reactive. And it's a lot to do with, the, um, I suppose, the environment section. They need to look at the bigger picture. We introduce incentives to collect litter. But maybe we should be doing something like being going out there, seeing why have people been, that's another issue, like, have people been, you know, we should be going to housing states, checking, the, like, the bylaws there now, the weekend, uh, that the council can go in and ask people, have they their, um, received further um, wheelie bins. Where is this? How are they disposing of their rubbish? And, and if you don't it. have a bin, there has to be a question mark. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so we, we would love the idea that we would have running households on zero waste, but we know that that is not, nobody is, is achieving that. So you have to dispose of rubbish somehow. So if you don't have a bin outside your door, what are you doing with your waste is what the question. And then we don't have our civic community site. Like we had a day there in Pomoy, like and now and again they might run a day of recycling. But sure, it had to close down halfway through the day because of the um, the, the volume of the demand. Coming, you know, the demand. So that, it, you, realistically, you know, it would be the better in the long run. Like I'm even talking there, like people are disposing. I know myself. I live in the country here, and we get rubbish down the road. And I ring a little warden, and he's to come out to inspect it. Then he reports back it's to be collected. If it's not collected, which it hasn't been in the last while now, I don't know. Um, it, what you call environment is saying it's not their responsibility. Roads are saying it's not theirs. Um, seems to be an issue here with um, picking up the rubbish. I, I would think myself it's an environmental responsibility and if we don't have a civic community site in Fomoy, we should have resources for collecting the rubbish. And, yeah. and it does seem crazy that a litter warden will come out and we welcome litter wardens coming out and going through rubbish to try to identify who the rubbish belongs to and then if we can point the finger, find that person. I think that's got to be welcomed. But it does seem crazy that the litter warden then can't take the rubbish away. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And even if it was collected in the next turn, but sometimes it's not collected shortly afterwards and somebody else might report it and the litter warden comes again. So that litter could be inspected sometimes three, it could be up to four or five times before it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Is illegal dumping, Deirdre, is it getting worse in, in your opinion? Well, I do think because I suppose people are stretched at the moment as well, funds and that kind of thing. But I do find the bigger stuff is being dumped because they'd know where to go with that. Yeah. You know, maybe the household waste. But no, I do get bags of household waste. But like, where do people dump? Like, I had a baby bath down the road here one day. Oh, you know, we see um, top the sink, things like that, that people can't dispose of. And, and they are much. things you can bring to a civic community site. Yeah, exactly. Paint tins, you know, um, or you call paint bushes, things like that I often get thrown into the ditch down here as well, you know. But I do think if, in the long run, it would make more sense. You know, as I said to you there, we need to be proactive. We need to do a lot of incentives 
for litter and I do think maybe if we rolled all them together and like Cork County Council, we need providing a service. That's my, always my argument as a councillor, as the council, that it's a service to people we need to be giving. You know, our roads, as the litter roads, that service, that's what we're there for, that's what people want. Like I get people saying to me, oh, why are we getting all these walkways and different things and, and look at the state of our roads. You know, but it's like, I suppose they've explained to people then it's all about different budget streams and funding streams. You know, but like I do think we need to be looking at the bigger picture. People are, tensions are high at the moment, people are stretched. You know, we have to be um, thinking realistically and um, practically about things. Okay, and and helping people. Okay, listen, dear, do we leave it there? Thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Very good. Good morning to you. Uh, Bye bye. That is uh, Councillor Deirdre O'Brien in uh, Formoy. Some of your thoughts uh, coming in. Hi, Patricia. What is going on with politicians? This is to do with the spat in the doll yesterday between Meal Martin and the Healy Ways. Um, It seems to be happening not just here, but it seems to be happening across the world. We've got Boris Johnson, says this uh, texter. He seems to be on a different planet. Doesn't seem to have a clue what's going on. Then we've got Trump, who this listener feels is so ignorant. He's incapable. All he's capable of doing is throwing insults around. now we have anger and insults in our own doll over a situation that should have been addressed long ago. People have been and are still in urgent need of this service, i.e. cataract operations. Our politicians need to stop with the buck passing, stop with the insults and the arguing and get on with what they are elected to do. And Padra says, Hi Patricia, people need to lighten up a little bit. Micheál Martin is known for his sense of humour. Michael Healy Ray overreacted yesterday. It was all a bit of fun, says Padra. Would others agree with Padder that Michael Healy Ray overreacted and it was just Micheál Martin's sense of humour coming to the uh, fore. Okay, and then some of your WhatsApps. There's a really good WhatsApp in here, if I can find it, because it's a lengthy one, so it's, but definitely well worth um, uh, reading out. It is from Mary in Watergrass Hill. It says, morning, Patricia. Would you mind if I had, can I say what's on my mind? Mary, we love to hear what's on people's minds. I am a 62-year-old grandmother, writes Mary, of 10, all of whom I love dearly. And because I love them so much, I need to say this. As a country, we need to look on COVID as the enemy and we must fight it with all our might but to do that we need to be singing from the same hymn sheet we need to stick together to win this battle. I would ask you listeners to stop for a minute to look at the people they love or picture them in their minds Next, we need to look at the bigger picture. We need to look forward to say six months, maybe even 12 months time Now envision your loved ones Are any of them missing? I sincerely hope not. But if we don't wake up and listen to the warnings, the likelihood is we will be missing a loved one, maybe in 12 months' time, and that loss would be huge. If we could just do the right thing, no one will need to die. We need to take responsibility for our own actions. All the guidelines are out there. We have to stop complaining about restrictions and instead abide by them. If we see someone not adhering to the guidelines, we need to call them out and ask them why are they not sticking to the rules and regulations. This is about all of us. It's about the people we love. Surely they're worth putting our lives on hold for a while longer so we can fight the battle against COVID. So let's all try a little bit harder. 
be a little bit more responsible. Let us all lead by example. And to all those who are already doing these things, well done, says Mary. We owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to our frontline staff in all sectors who serve our communities each day. And they do it with a smile on their face. Kind regards. And that's from Mary. Well done, Mary. How you great words of wisdom there. We all need to pull together. And, and I think, yeah, there probably is a little bit of people getting complacent, people getting sick of it. We're all sick of it. We all want life to return to normal. But COVID-19 has a different plan and it's, it's not going away. It's certainly not going away anywhere fast. And we have to hang in there until we get a vaccine and then when we do get a vaccine you know we'll, we will see the back of it and this too will pass and I know people are sick of hearing that when is it going to pass it's just going to take time and it's the more we all pull together the, as Mary says we'll all come out of it please God the other side and maybe we'll all come out of it a little bit kinder stronger uh, people but it is up to everyone and it's, it's up to individual responsibility and it's up to all of us to stop less of the complaining and just following all of the restrictions and the rules. Thank you uh, Mary. Stay safe. 1850 and hi Patricia says another WhatsApp or just watching the UK news and they seem to have stats on where people with COVID come from when it comes to the class system is it more prevalent in deprived areas and so on? Do you know if we have any statistics like that? If there is a class divide, then maybe we need to put more targeted help and resources into those areas. They just listed in the stats in the UK, despite despite calls for help from these areas. I'm sure we would do uh, better if there was a divide. Well, the closest we would have to those kind of statistics is the local electoral areas. You know, they break down. They're now doing it every Thursday. They break down the number of new cases and they give you a rolling figure over the last 14 days. And they look at the various local authority areas. So could you break the local authority areas? I suppose all local authority areas will have deprived areas. Some will have more deprived areas than others. I know in Dublin, when if you look at the figures in Dublin, the spread seems to be across the whole city. So you can't just say, oh, it's the deprived areas have more cases than other areas. But I certainly haven't seen any statistics done in this. They have an an abundance of information. So I take it, yes, it would be possible to break down into areas and they would know the areas that are more deprived or the more working class areas, you know, versus the more affluent areas. But I certainly haven't seen, I'll take a look this afternoon if I can get anything more. I mean, the best, as I say, that we have at the moment are the local areas, the local electoral areas. They're the breakdowns and we get them every Thursday. So we'll have new figures out on that uh, tomorrow. And uh, John Paul does the number crunching for us every week. So it'll be Friday probably before we get to chat with him about the latest figures because we know numbers have been rising in Cork. But people are asking where in Cork have those numbers been rising? For a number of weeks, we were seeing an increase in the city. But last week was the first week we started to see numbers going up. Small now, small amount of numbers going up in the county. But the bulk of the numbers were still in the city. Will it be the same this week? As I say, we'll know more tomorrow. 1850 John Paul takes your calls along with Sadie. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Construction workers are wanted. This is for a site in Middleton. They're looking for ground workers, general operatives, site cleaner and concrete workers. A clinical trial project manager is required for Cork. It's five kilometres from the city.
An experienced worker is required to help civil engineering company. It's with an underpinning project in the Bantry area and an Arctic HGV driver is wanted for night work. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 Timmy's just been onto the programme saying, why is there no talk about the no mask protests? They've been, there's been a few of these, a few large ones in Dublin uh, as well. Uh, Timmy's heard that they're talking about one taking place in Cork at the weekend. Timmy feels as members of the general public, we need to come forward now and say, say not on our watch that we don't want people out on the streets who are absolutely believe that COVID-19 is a big conspiracy theory and they think by wearing a mask some of civil liberty is being taken away from from them. Timmy reckons we need to be talking about it now. Something needs to be put in place now to stop these uh, protests and he said it'll be too late on Monday when people will be onto the programme complaining about oh did you see all the anti-mask people that were out protesting. He reckons it'll be too late then. We need to be discussing it and discussing it now. We were talking about falling asleep at the wheel. James says last year he came across a young fellow who was asleep in his car. Now, obviously, when you hear what James did, he know, he knows this particular young fellow. He went over to the car just to check on him and to see that he was okay. And he opened the car door. He said the heater was on full blast. He said the heat inside the car. And this young fellow was just simply fast asleep. James says there was literally no waking him. James ended up pushing him over onto the passenger seat. The young fellow slept through all of that and he said, I drove him home. He said, I'd say to this day, he has no recollection of who drove him home that night. It's an incredible thing that you did, uh, James. And well done because he kept the young fella safe. But he must have been in the deepest of sleep that you were able to push him over onto the passenger side and that he still didn't wake up. That's an incredible story. But at least James... The young guy realised that he was, how tired he was and he realised that there was a chance that he was going to nod off at the wheel. So he at least he did the sensible thing, even though leaving the heating on in the car was probably not the best thing to do. And I imagine the heat probably kept him and put him into a deeper sleep than what he had intended doing because there's a difference between a power nap which is what Brian Farrell was talking about and he says to set an alarm on your phone for the 15 minutes because 15 minutes is all you need for a power nap, power nap rather than getting into a really, really deep sleep. Now, as you will have already heard, there was quite a spat between the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin and the Kerry Doll deputy, Michael Healy Ray, yesterday in the Doll. Well, the row erupted following a question to the Taoiseach by West Cork Independent Doll deputy, Michael Collins, who joins me on the programme this morning. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Michael, now it's, it's important to get to why this spat happened. You were actually looking for clarification on whether or not the, the cataract bus to Belfast will still be able to operate when the UK leave the EU. Did you get clarification on that? I didn't, to be quite honest with you, and that was the whole point. I had my chance yesterday was for leaders' questions, three minutes with the teacher, and he had three minutes to reply, and I had a minute to, I suppose, tease out the issues. And I raised the issue of the cross-border directive because I've been reliably informed the cross-border directive, the directive that has taken people that has hips and knees and other uh, surgical procedures, in particular the cataract procedures, are being withdrawn in new legislation that's been drawn up. And from my, and I hope that I'd be proven uh, wrong uh, for the sake of the people that need the services out there, but from what I've been told is that they're dropping the, the, the cataract and the, and the hip and knees, the cross-border side of it, and they will be keeping other 
uh, procedures that are going on between Derry, we'll say, and Donegal for cancer, which is very important too, and from Belfast to Dublin for toddler, small children that need uh, heart operations, that they be continued, but that the cross-border side of it has been very, by civil servants are, are looking to drop it because of the cost that it is uh, to the state. That's, that's what I've been told at this present time. But you didn't get confirmation of that from Eol Martin yesterday. He, what, he said what to you yesterday? Well, to be honest with you, I was very annoyed uh, because this is an extremely serious issue. This is my third time raising it in the doll in the past month. The first time I had only just a minute slot. And, and to be honest with you, we all seem to be laughing and smirking the first time. And a lot of people came back to me to see my um, my post up on Facebook or whatever. They said, why was he laughing? I said, but anyway, look, uh, I did meet with uh, Simon Coveney, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, two weeks ago, who gave me a very... A more detailed response and did say that legislation is being put in place and hopefully that legislation the part of legislation about the cross border will be included. He didn't say no and he didn't say so. Obviously the whole thing is hanging on a trade. So I said it was an important opportunity. When I had the opportunity for leaders' questions, which is only once every four or five weeks, I had to use it. But, you know, I looked, while well, I was asking my first three minutes of the question, I was looking up and three different times I looked up and then I pulled him eventually. He was laughing. And I said, this is not a laughing matter, Taoiseach. It's a very serious, serious matter for those who are going blind. And I named out, like I said, in the next in the next two weeks, I, I, I said, Taoiseach, there's people from Skibreen, Bandon, Bellany, and then I mentioned three of his own people from Ballinlock, Bellavalland, Cavigaline, his own constituency, which I never had a problem. And now he, he, he made some game out of it and gain out of it and started this kind of mockery. And then he started attacking the Healy Rays that they're asking people, did they want surgery outside after mass? I told him, it doesn't matter. People come to me from all walks of life from every constituency, from I'm taking people from Dublin, from Tipperary in the next two buses going up, and I'm, I'm not going to get any political gain out of it. And he shouldn't, have, he wanted to see, see that we were getting political gain and that the taxpayers being, of course we know the taxpayers being, but just, and I made it, and I made it very clear, Patricia, I'm delighted that there's an announcement two weeks ago that the South Infirmary is going to be um, uh, opening up a cataract a surgery and that these surgeries will take place in Cork, and that's where it should always have been happening. But unfortunately, Patricia, to the people of Cork and Kerry, and, and maybe surrounding countries, but in particular Cork and Kerry, that's not going to be opening for two years. And what's going to happen in that two years? And yeah, I mentioned that earlier. I mean, particularly for the cataract operations, people don't have two years. And if you're living in excruciating pain with, for the want of a near hip operation, very hard ask to say to somebody, Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I should. You'll get it done in two years and, and you'll be fine. And that's my worry, but should that this, like, uh, what I'm saying is put the legislation in place for two years because it is an EU cross-border. Right? I'm well aware of what it is, but if there's legislation being put in place for other healthcare initiatives, this also should be put in place to make sure that we cover ourselves for the next two years and that people from Cork or people from Kerry and all parts of uh, County Cork will uh, at least have an option that they can go to Belfast and can't get reimbursed, not fully reimbursed, but at least in some way. I mentioned a person in his own constituency because I got the permission from the lady to do so. She's 36 years of age. Um, she went to Michal Martin's constituency office. And in fairness, I'm not going to blame you because I can't get a procedure done in Cork. So they obviously tried the same as I did and they couldn't get the procedure done in Cork. But they advised her to come to me to she can get her, can I get the lady to visit. At 36 years of age, a woman that was on the verge of not being able to drive, she had two children. Thankfully, she's gone up. She has one eye done and she's going up in two weeks to get the second eye done. And that's all in the space of about six weeks. And she's, it's, it's, a nice, it's a lifesaver, it's a, you know, it's a life game changer for her. And, and you know, I can, give, I can give you tons of stories, and you know it well, Patricia, I've been doing that with your radio show, and you've been very good in fairness to, to get the, the real true message. But the message I wanted from Mihal um, uh, Martin yesterday is that we're looking into this, we, we see the importance of it, it's unfortunate it's not happening here, we are going to do something about it here, yes, but it's going to continue until that happens, until that until, until the, the Cork uh, uh, Catholic Theatre is Which is, I, realistically, is at least two years away? It looks to me to be two years away, and I did draw a point to, 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 the, to the point about Bantry General Hospital two years ago. There was an announcement about an endoscopy unit to be built there, a uh, big fanfare down in Bantry. I was there myself, I was pushed over the way to hear this great story, and it's a great story. Two years later, not a shot turned or a brick lead. And I'm worried about the same thing about the Park South Infirmary. And if it's a true story, it's going to take two years. If it's not going to, if it could take four to five years. And the people will, cannot be going blind. Well, that's going on. And if it does, it'll be on Tisha, Michal, Martin's watch. And that's the point I try to make. So the, the, UK, the UK leave the EU on the 1st of January. So the cross-border initiative technically is, is then gone. For You could go anywhere else in Europe. But the arrangement between... Ireland and the UK will be terminated, won't it? That arrangement will be terminated, but legislation is being put in place to save other arrangements, and I'm just saying the very same thing here. Why can't this be part of it? Because every other... Every other and Michael uh, Martin yesterday said that they, they're drawing, they're drafting this legislation, but he didn't say whether cataract and knee and hip operations... Uh, and that's what I've been reliably informed that it's not included, and that they're doing their best to exclude it. That's, and that's why it's the, the, the reason for my question yesterday, because it's at a very important time. They're drafting legislation. We need to force the issue as much as I can. I can't do any more than the, 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 the channels of, of, of uh, the opportunities we say I'll get in the door. And I got that opportunity yesterday. And I just try to raise the awareness. And instead, instead of taking the matter serious, say he's going to do his best to look at me. Just laughing he was. And he was laughing with uh, Jack Chambers there beside him. And there were... Uh, there were jokes going between them while I was talking because I kept clicking up and down looking at them and then I decided to stop this. 
Are you laughing at? And, and you know? one of our listeners, Padder, says uh, people need to lighten up because I have to say the bulk of everyone, I think Padder's probably the only one uh, who sees it from Micheál Martin's point of view, everyone very annoyed, I have to say, at Micheál Martin yesterday and the fact that he was laughing when you were speaking and also the spat between him and uh, Michael Healy Ray. But Padder says Micheál Martin is known for his sense of humour. Michael Healy Ray overreacted. It was just a bit of fun. Did you see any of it yesterday as a bit of fun, Michael? I didn't because Michael they came in, obviously, Michael Healy Ray came in on the whole thing. It was part of my questions and Michael Healy Ray threw something and then he threw back and asked you, going around after the master looking for people. I mean, what is the need for it? Oh, someone told me you were. I mean, every walk of life for me, when I walk the streets, people pull me aside and say, come here, can I can I go to Belfast for this? Or can I do this? Or how does it work? And some people do and some people don't. And it, since I've raised this issue twice now with him, he's played it out. Actually, yeah, you organise an old bus there. You know, it's, it's, you know it's all, there's nothing else to it. There's hours and hours of work goes into this. And I'm not worried about the hours of work that goes into it. All I want is it to continue until... South and Fermanagh and Cork is built and up and running. And if that happens, they can withdraw the service. Because certainly the people of Cork and Kerry will be going blind in their dozens if that doesn't happen. And if he doesn't see that, unfortunately, um, it, it just tells you that the man has his eye completely off the ball here. And he cannot be laughing. He cannot be smirking. It's too serious. And yes, we are. I have humour too, Patricia. I am a humorous person. But when it comes to people going blind or when it comes to people... If, if you hear some of the stories I hear... And, 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 you know, I had a gentleman that went up there. Thankfully, he came to me. I had a cancellation. He went up last last week in the bus. He was he was six years ago. He went in for get, get one cataract done. And he was advised to get the other cataract done within three months. Six years ago, he's waiting six years for to be called. A man from West Cork. And he never got called in six years. And he came into me and looking enough, there was a cancellation. He got up in two weeks because he was rapidly gone blind. And this is the unfortunate situation. Some people hold on and hold on. And the whole thing get called locally, which everybody wants and which I want. But unfortunately, it starts to rapidly deteriorate. And when this rapidly deteriorates, they come to me, I can't drive. I, You know, giving me family circumstances that they need to have this and need to have that. And it's a, it's an urgent situation. No, I named out all the areas yesterday that are going going up in two weeks' time. And, you know, all I got was a bit of a laugh and a joke across the way. And I'm, I'm afraid we can all have a bit of humour, but that, that was no time to laugh or joke. OK, and he did go on to, um, he did go on to apologise too. Um, Michael Healy way he 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 did apologise. It's it's fair enough to say that that he didn't yeah, he didn't mean to are. make a, a a laughing matter uh, about it. Okay, I, I, I think, and, yeah. I, and I, just, I think the most important thing here, Patricia, the biggest apology he can do here is to make sure that this cross border scheme continues. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And talking of the cross border scheme, we're now in level three. We're told we can't move outside of our county. Are, are people going to Belfast? Are they affected by this? Uh, it's it's it is a medical procedure, it's an, an emergency medical procedure. My taking on it that we, in level three we can continue. Obviously, I'd be taking advice from Kingsbridge Private Hospital. I'd be taking advice from the coaches. I'd be taking advice from the hotels that they're going to to make sure that everything is in place, that everything is safe to do so. Hopefully, it continues. Um, and obviously, every day makes changes here. On the on the on the bigger picture, Patricia, when it, we are going into level three, I would say you know there's, it's it's going to have devastating consequences on businesses, and I know it from my throat, West Cork, and every constituency is getting it. I think we need to look government-wise, look at NetFed. I think they need to pull it apart a little and start putting in business people as well as medical professionals. You do need medical professionals, but you certainly need business professionals inside or too. And you saw the error of the way they came out on Sunday with this leak, um, that we were going to five, then we went to three. It's it's causing absolute crazily and upset and hurt and, and people don't know whether they're coming or going. The country is absolutely petrified as to what's the next move here and businesses are going to the wall left and centre. But the reason I'm, I'm, I'm not overcritical, Netflix needs to be there
there, but it also needs to be pulled apart now and look at a new type of network structure where you have the medical profession, but you also have the business professionals. You also have other professionals, self-employed. Everybody needs a representative in there that needs a voice because they're giving it from a 100% medical perspective and that needs to be respected. Which is what they are employed uh, to do. And you, you couldn't but have sympathy for business people, particularly in areas of West Cork, that have little or no COVID-19. And that's the argument. Really tough. Really, and really I, tough I, I on them. I put that up with Stephen Donnelly last week. I said there's a 115 mile spread between one end of, of, of the constituency yeah. to, uh, sorry, not to the constituency, but to one end of the county. The county to the, the next, country. yeah. And that, at least that should be taken into account. Yeah. The whole the whole country is in lockdown. Well, uh, well in every we, tree, and that's nearly almost locked. Okay, listen, uh, we we leave it there, Michael. Thank you for thank that, you. and uh, thanks okay. uh, for joining us on the programme. That is West Cork Joel Deputy Michael Collins. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, this Friday, the Cork Volunteer Centre will hold its second annual Volunteer Awards, but this year's event will be very different to last year's, but it will in no way take away from this year's wonderful winners. Julie Connolly is manager of the Cork Volunteer Centre and Julie once again joins me on the programme. Good morning to Julie. Good morning Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Now the ceremony has to be a virtual one uh, this year. We had a wonderful gala night in the Kingsley uh, Hotel. We'll be back there again next year p- uh, please God. But just talk us through the plan for this Friday night. Okay so um it's all pre-recorded, essentially. So we invited the winners in each of the categories uh, to come into us in the Kingsley Hotel on Monday, thankfully, before any any further restrictions. We had them scheduled to come in at different times throughout the course of the day. We pre-recorded little snippets of video. You pre-recorded some snippets of videos. The minister has pre-recorded some things. And the organisations and family members who nominated people I've all kind of WhatsApped and sent us in videos and Adam, who is an absolute star, has been working away, editing all of this together. And at the end of it all, we should have about a one-hour ceremony that we are going to share with the winners and their families and sponsors. And Brilliant. Everyone on Zoom on Friday evening at about 7 o'clock and then announce the overall winner, um, which should be a surprise to everybody on the Zoom call. And then we will uh, broadcast the ceremony done on Facebook for anyone who's interested um, to, to have a look at it. Okay. Um, and were, so the, were the numbers nominated, were they up this year? They were slightly, yeah. Um, and as you can see, I suppose it was an interesting year in, in the sense that most of the organisations unfortunately with the, the lockdown, I suppose, had to close up because a lot of their activities couldn't go ahead. So then many of the organisations that did keep going and the activities that um, that took place, a lot of the people who um, are winners in their category, I suppose really it was in response uh, to, to COVID and to the pandemic and supporting people through the lockdown. Um, so it, it, really the, 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 the number of nominations was kind of slightly up, but not as, as much as you'd expect, I suppose, just because I suppose a lot of For the year that's in it. But, yeah, but, but yeah. for the year that's in it, uh, Julie, volunteerism has never been so important as it was this year. I mean, particularly when we were in full lockdown. Oh my gosh, the the work that people did. And uh, do you mind me mentioning some of the the, the winners? Please do, and, yeah. Please and do. Some of the things that they did. I suppose we, uh, the first on my list is this fantastic lady, seventy five year old Laura Long. I hope she doesn't mind me telling everyone. <laughs> but she had been volunteering with Sydney Co. 
call an organisation that makes calls to isolated older people. Um, and during the lockdown, they just, they were unbelievable. All their volunteers just got mobile phones and they continued to make their calls. So Laura continued to make her calls to, to other people who were kind of more isolated than her. And she also shaved her head live on Facebook to raise money for friendly calls and for the first which to me was just, you know, unbelievable. Um, we also have someone like Sarah Donovan, who volunteers with Link, um, and she was nominated for lots of different activities, but I suppose one of the things that she did, she set up Bjor's Dyke Night, um, in partnership with lots of women in the lesbian community, of course, and, she, and nationwide, and she continued to do that throughout the lockdown, or doing pre-recorded um and getting people to send in videos and just really building up the sense of community. We also have someone like Martina Coleman who volunteers with the Old Community Health Project delivering the Gail Dong Wheels with Tommy Collins with the Manly Community Conference doing Neil Dong Wheels Judy Larson a, a sports volunteer um you're just going to have to move slightly, um, Julie. We're having an issue with your phone. If you just move slightly, oh, yeah, that's I okay. Apologize. You're all right there. You're, you're okay there. You're okay there. And just, I suppose, Julie, remind listeners of the work that you do at the volunteer centre. So our role, I suppose, this year in particular, has been to support volunteer-involving organisations in best practice in volunteer management. So that's helping them recruit volunteers. That is helping them with volunteer leadership training. That has been helping them, I suppose, with issues around insurance and risk management, uh, particularly during the pandemic. And then we also support volunteers then to find meaningful volunteer opportunities. So it's a bit of a two-way street, but other things volunteering, I suppose, including um you know, charities, regulator kind of issues and things like that for small boards of ma- management and volunteer-led organisations. So really it's around support, advice and training and volunteer recruitment. Okay, and people That's can it. contact you if they'd like to become a volunteer? Absolutely. Yeah. So you have two options. You can ring us on 021-425-1572 or you can register online with volunteercork.ie. Yeah, and you know, it's when you talk to to people, uh, Julie, about volunteering, they'll all say they get so much more out of it than Absolutely. what than what they, they 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 put in. That's why I think these awards are a lovely way of saying to somebody, "Well, we want to acknowledge you because you're you're doing the most amazing work." Oh, look! I mean, these people are are. I suppose it was such an emotional day on Monday. I, tinged with a bit of sadness because we couldn't give them the gala nice like last year but they were just so overwhelmed and so grateful and just completely uh, all of them uh, they actually said when we rang them they thought it was a hoax they actually <laughs> didn't believe that they were after receiving an award they were just all of these people are just so unassuming and I mean the things that they have done with one girl who set up her own organisation, Vera, um, she set up her own organisation to support women in direct provision. And then she got involved in making masks, um, the Sanctuary Mask Initiative, um, to support people in direct provision. Um, and like, I just, they're, they're the type of, I don't know, to be honest, I just feel a little bit... Um, 
inadequate, I suppose, in comparison to many of these people. And they just really deserve the recognition. Nobody does it um, for an award, but That's oh it. my gosh. Yeah, and, and I do remember it. last year at the at the night, that was the one thing that came across. Uh, everyone was, you know, they were all taken aback that they'd even been nominated in the, fir- in yeah. the first place. And yeah. none of them do it. None of them do it expecting any kind of awards no. or pats on the back. No. They do it because they want to give something back. Uh, they're, they're terrific Absolutely. people. Terrific. So we're all looking forward to it on Friday night. And we can, on the, your Facebook is... Uh, at Volunteer Cork. At Volunteer, um, yeah. At all vol- the social okay. media. Okay, and people can people can check it out from eight o'clock if you want to see who's won in all of the different categories, and it's split up right across the county. So there's winners uh, from all over the city and uh, county. Julie, we're already looking forward to next year. Um, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> hey, congratulations <laughs> to all of this year's winners, and uh, thanks a million. Uh, you, put, I know you and the rest of the gang at the Volunteer Centre. You put a lot of work into this, so you deserve to be patted on the back as well. But thanks for joining Thank us this you. morning. And can I just say, Patricia, thank you so much to C103 again for getting involved this year and supporting us again. The the level of support um, that you have provided us in so many different ways has just been amazing. So I'd really like to thank and you in particular um, for recording all the videos and everything for us. You're an absolute star. So thank you so much. Well, well. that's really our, appreciate our pleasure, Julie. Listen, stay safe and thanks a million. Take care. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Judy Connolly there, the manager at the Cork Volunteer Centre. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Good news for one or maybe a syndicate. We're just hearing that somebody could be €165,000 richer after Cahalans in Bandon revealed they've sold the winning ticket in last night's Euro Millions draw. (laughs) They're asking people to please check your tickets. Did you buy a lotto ticket for yourself, for your family, for a syndicate? Did you buy it in Cahalans in Bandon for the Euro Millions draw? For last night, you need to check. You could be €165,000 richer and that is a fine, fine win indeed. I hope it brings nothing but luck uh, to the person who has won that. Okay, hi uh, Patricia, just got a call from Amazon. I've never bought anything from Amazon online in my life. Another scam, I'm thinking. (laughs) Absolutely, it's been doing the rounds for a while. They're banking on a lot of people do shop with Amazon and they're banking on catching somebody out by engaging them in conversation and they'll look to get details from them and then it's a scam. It's an absolute scam. So just to warn people, that's rearing its ugly head again. number of people want to comment on my interview in the last hour with uh, Deputy Michael Collins who was talking about what happened in the Dáil yesterday when he brought up the issue with... Michal Martin about the cross-border directive and the people who go up there to get in the main to get cataracts done even though we've heard of a number of people who've also got hip and knee replacements done as well and that must be a gruelling journey 
if you need a hip or a knee replacement have to go through that journey to get to Belfast and then the journey back after the operation God my heart goes out to them uh, but for the people with the cataract operations as well that's a simple enough procedure and that the procedure only takes 20 minutes at least when they travel they're not in any pain they're just in fear of losing their sight anyway number of people commenting on it John says fair play to Deputy Michael Collins for raising what is an important issue and then to be mocked by our Taoiseach we should remember that Michal Martin in government cut funding to the HSE for years and that's what brought about the need for the cross-border bus so says uh, John and then when Padder had contacted us to say everybody needs to take a chill pill here and that Michal Martin is known for his sense of humour somebody says that wasn't a sense of humour that was sarcasm from Michal uh, Martin and what do they say sarcasm is the lowest form of wit anyway he should be making sure people can get their operations instead of being sarcastic across the doll floor well done to Michael Collins and Michael Healy Ray and that is signed a thankful Belfast bus traveller somebody who used that bus to go to Belfast and then Heidi says Bantry Hospital that needs to be used more it's such a waste to not use it for more services it's it's a good hospital but the HSC are just being bloody minded about it says Heidi and how many people had suggested that Bantry our Mallow General Hospital could have been the site for cataract operations. We could be churning out a lot of operations if they looked to put them into either those hospitals, but they've gone instead with the South Infirmary. But people are wondering how long will we wait for that cataract theatre to actually open. And then another listener says, Micheál Martin, Boris Johnson and Donald Trump, to me are the three stooges. Trish, I have no faith in any of them. I really hope that, uh, that they don't get voted in again. Tell you this, says another WhatsApper, Micheál Martin should be thrown out of government, says this texter. No pension. He mocks the people in the country, laughing at the fact that people are going blind. Out he should go, says this uh, texter. That was by WhatsApp and then by text. There was a number of texts in as well following my chat with Michael Collins. Let me look at some of them here. Uh, Michael Collins, has, uh, says a texter, admitted in the interview with you, Patricia, that he pointed out to Micheál Martin that he was taking constituents who had attended Micheál Martin's office on the bus to Belfast and doing the work for Micheál uh, Martin. That, to me, was the first punch that was thrown in the doll yesterday. Hi, Patricia. Really, Micheál Martin should take his so-called sense of humour somewhere else and answer a serious question when it's put to him. Incidentally, I never saw a humorous side to that man and that's signed a disgusted listener. Thanking you, Patricia. John says, thanks to Michael Collins for helping me get my cataract done. I was one of the people that went on that bus over the years. And then for people not fans of Michael Collins, somebody's Paul says, Michael Collins and Matty McGrath and the group of rural independent TDs were the only ones to oppose a doll motion back in 2019, which was in favour of vaccines. Why? Paul reckons it was because Catholic fundamentalist groups told them to oppose it. They claim the HPV vaccine encourages promiscuity. Paul feels that Michael Collins is a disgrace. While Tim and Yall, and my apologies, Tim, didn't get to your text. There were so many texts coming in. Uh, Tim wanted me to talk and ask Michael about his views on people dying with dignity. Michael Collins, has he any consideration for those people and their relatives? And why is he opposed to the dying with dignity bill? Maybe he should question his own uh, 
uh, conscience. Okay, there were some of the texts and calls that came in during my chat with Michael Collins in the last hour. Number of gardening questions coming in. Keep those coming in, please, because we will get to Peter Dowdle after half past 12 today. Someone else says, hi, Patricia. Just want to know, are the closed banks open to the public? I know they closed during lockdown, but yes, I've certainly seen closed banks in operation. You're going to need to check in with individual closed banks to see. But certainly I've seen closed banks up and running. I don't know if all of them are. As I say, you're going to have to check uh, locally just to be sure. Uh, Bingo in Theo Park cancelled due to the further restrictions, COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah, because we're limited now on the number of people that can meet inside. And of course, we're limited on the number of people that can meet outside. So I'm assuming all the drive through the drive-in bingos, I take it all of those have now been suspended, certainly for the next three weeks. Please, God, we'll only be in this level three for three weeks. If we all abide by the rules, then hopefully we'll come out of it and we'll get back to doing some of the normal things we were doing. And please, God, the, the driving bingos, which are proving very successful and people were really enjoying it, will be back up. But certainly for the next three weeks, they are gone. Now, we are getting this checked with the Road Safety Authority. Somebody's saying the driver theory test. This came up during my chat with Brian Farrell of the RSA. Somebody says, I may be wrong, but if you have something like a driving test, surely that's regarded as an acceptable reason for crossing the county bounds. Because when I put it to Brian Farrell, he said no for the next three weeks. You can't cross the county bounds. And then John Paul says he's getting questions in, particularly from people say around Ballyvorney, people who live on the Cork Kerry county bounds saying, their closest place to go shopping would be, say, Killarney, to go to a large supermarket and say, it's OK for us to cross the county bounds. We're trying to get that checked because before when we, during one of our lockdowns or during one of the different phases that we were in, we were told, remember when we were limited to just staying in our counties and then they allowed people to travel. It was up to 20 kilometres outside of the county bounds and that was if people needed to visit family members or if people needed to go shopping and they put that in place. But from what we can gather under level three, it says, no, you must stay within your county. Now, they do say, except for reasons such as medical appointment or if you need to go to work or if you need to go to college. But we're trying to find out if you live on the county bounds and your nearest shopping town is over the county bounds, is it okay to go? And we'll also try to get clarification on people with the driver theory test or a driving test because people who live across the county bounds will be going into a different county to do it. So hang on on that one, would you please? And we'll see if we can get further clarification on that because John Paul says he's getting a number of calls in from people who live close enough to the county bounds and just worried now about wanting to go shopping etc. And then sleeping at the wheel was one that we discussed on the programme today. Just wondering, uh, is there an issue when pulling in, when driving to take a power nap as was suggested by the Road Safety Authority? Do you need to move from the driver's seat Because otherwise, could you be charged with dangerous driving if you were found sleeping behind the wheel? It's something that we were always told to be warned about in the past. Somebody else was saying that as well, that when that advice was given about taking the power nap, that what you need to do is get out of the driver's seat, get into the passenger seat. And ideally, if the passenger seat reclines, get your power nap that way instead and don't do it. Well, I think when Brian Farrell, what he was talking about was pulling in like to a garage, into a forecourt, pulling into, you know, a rest area 
and getting your nap. I think that's what he was suggesting you would do it in the driver's seat. But maybe in the interest of safety, you probably are better off. You probably get a better rest by doing it in the passenger seat uh, anyway. 1850-333-103. Also on, oh, this is on, this is to do with renewing of driving licence. This is something that, this has come up before on the programme, but let me read it out because this text has just uh, come in. Patricia, I recently renewed my driving licence and I went and had it renewed two months prior to its expiry date. I received my new licence, but it's not dated from the expiry of the old licence, but from the date I went to renew it two months earlier. So in effect, I was punished and ripped off for renewing it early. Why is this the case? When you renew your NCT, it's always from the date of the expiry as it should be. So, Patricia, can you throw it out there to see if others have been robbed, I feel, by the Transport Minister? That's come up before in the programme and it only came up when people went to renew their licence. And when you renew your driving licence, unfortunately, your renewal date is from the date that you decide to renew it. And that's why a lot of people were warning others to say, if your driving licence is due for renewal, don't go early because you will lose out on months, if it's months that you're doing it or weeks. And people are saying, wait until your expiry date. But that listener is right. It doesn't happen with the NCT. And actually the NCT are always encouraging people to get their NCT early, particularly because the bulk of cars are due for NCT usually in January because a lot of cars when they would have first been purchased would have been registered in January so they come up for renewal for the NCT in January and we're always up to three months before and they do give you back the three months they don't take the three months off, off from you but it is different unfortunately with driver's licence which is which is unfortunate and is certainly annoying and you remember Mary who contacted us from Watergrass Hill who gave that great put a great WhatsApp together talking about all of us pulling together and she was saying that we should visualise Visualise our family. Just take a moment and visualise all your family together and then visualise all your family together in six or 12 months time. And she says, will all of us still be together in six or 12 months time because of COVID-19? And if we don't all abide by the rules, will unfortunately be some people missing from that photograph that you visualise in your mind. And she was saying we can all do our own bit if we all pull together. And rather than moaning about the restrictions that are in place, abide by them. Just simply abide by all the rules and the regulations all pulled together. Well, another Mary says, I 100% agree with Mary from Watergrass Hill. If you can imagine a hundred years ago when they had the Spanish flu epidemic that people talk about, that these epidemics seem to, pandemics seem to happen once every hundred years. But go back and try to picture yourself living when the Spanish flu was there a hundred years ago. They didn't have TVs. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have the the internet. People had no communication with the outside world. We have so much today. What are we moaning about? Good on you, Mary, says this uh, texter. Thank you for that. 1850-333-103. And John is not happy with Eamon Ryan of the Green Party. He said Eamon Ryan of the Green Party made a statement at their conference last weekend. I, I know I read about this. I was wondering when we were get calls in about this. The 
At the conference, it was an online conference that they held at the Green Party, Eamon Ryan said that he intends to spend one, while he's in government, he intends to spend one million euro a day on cycleways and walking paths. That's 365 million euro per year. John wonders what planet is Eamon Ryan of the Green Party on. The country is in a financial crisis. Thousands of people are in hospital waiting lists. There are drug treatment centres and homeless hostels totally underfunded. He should get his priorities right. And John texts in and ponders what do other listeners think about that suggestion from Eamon Ryan where he's committing to one million euro a day on cycleways and walking paths while the Greens are in power. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie Castle Magna Development Association they've got a clothes collection going on this Friday. Now it's to help fund traffic calming equipment for the village and you can contact Nula on 086 8250874 for drop off information. The drive-in bingo in Knocknagree for next Sunday, that's been postponed in light of the recent public health restrictions. And the Fremont collection for Penny Dinners, that's going ahead. It's next Sunday, the 11th of October in Fremont in the local hall and you can drop off your items for Penny Dinners between 10am and 1pm in the local hall in Fremont next Sunday. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103103. And I want to go to the phone lines where Dennis in Fremont joins me. Good afternoon to you, Dennis. Hello. You're in a bit you're in a bit of a pickle. Your your wedding ring broke. It did indeed. Just yesterday evening. Well, I suppose it's it's well worn and uh, I've been very for almost couple of weeks short as 39 years so uh, it's time maybe it's time but um, I got great value sure from it anyway and um, <laughs> Congratulations by the way on the 39th Thanks very much Okay and it's is it a clean break? It's a clean break exactly yeah yeah I couldn't believe it when I just uh, felt something funny and, and there it was a clean break exactly So is it a, it's, is it a narrow ring? Is it, a, it is It's it a is. narrow ring Okay it is. And has it been on? Does it ever come off your finger? Um, well, I I do a bit of mountain climbing, so when I'm climbing, I do take it off because the the, the rocks and things can be very wearing on it, you know. But other than that, never, never. And yeah. and is, this is the first time it's broken, obviously. Yeah, it's, yeah. And was it wearing away? Did you notice it? It's pretty well worn. Is it? Right? Yes, yes, okay. It wasn't a, a very very strong ring. When I bought a new, I, I modelled it on my mother's ring, which was a very lucky ring. Yeah. So I got married for, I don't know, about 65 years Wow. I passed away. And um, um, so I, I got the same. It's just like a, the Barn Breck style ring, I suppose. Well, I have to say, yeah, I, I have good. I have the very same style ring. I like those little narrow. I, I went for the narrow yeah. one as well. Yeah. The, the, the thicker ones became popular at one stage. I don't know if they still are, but I like yeah. that little thin yeah. little yeah. little ring. But then the danger is, is what's after happening to you. So, the dilemma you're in, you don't want to go out 39 years on and buy another one. You want no. to see, can this one be fixed? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So we're looking for a jeweller, a jeweller, a jewellery shop. Uh, is it? It's probably nine karat gold. Is it? I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're looking for advice. How do we fix a thin wedding band? It's snapped. 
It's just broken in one place, obviously. Yeah. The yeah. area that's, it's probably the area that was closest to your hand. The inside bit has a tendency yeah. to wear down. Uh, if anybody knows where we can send Dennis in the Fremont area, ideally somewhere locally, we can't go out to the county bounds anyway at the moment. We have to stay, stay in Cork. Does anybody know of somewhere that Dennis can go to have his wedding band fixed? What date is the 39th anniversary? It's the 26th of October. Okay, so it's kind of three weeks uh, away. And the big one will be next year. The big one next year is the Ruby. It is, the 40th, yeah. yeah. And hopefully we'll be out of all of the restrictions and you'll be able to party on. We will, sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And yeah. what's her good self? What's the name? What's her good self's name? Uh, Peggy. Is Peggy. My wife. Yeah. Peggy. Hi to Peggy as well. And yeah. Peggy's ring is still intact, is it? It's getting fairly worn as well. She's, she's keeping a close eye on it now. <laughs> okay, yeah. Dennis, this is the first to break. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. Surely somebody out there will be able to give us a suggestion of how we can get the ring fixed. Okay, you look after yourself, Dennis. Thank you. And your much. lovely wife, Peggy. Thanks for that. Thank you, okay, that's uh, Dennis in Fremont. If anyone can offer words, it's a thin, though. Bear that in mind. It is a thin wedding band. Is it possible to get it fixed? I mean, after 39 years of marriage, it would be dreadful. If we think that Dennis is to go out and buy a new one because he's huge sentimental attachment to this one. So if anybody can offer words of advice to Dennis, please do. 1850 333 103. Eileen says, Trisha, I'm wondering if you could help. Are the charity, will the charity shops be closing again? I've clothes ready to send in. Uh, no, well, not under level three. No, all retail shops are open. Had we moved to level five, the charity shops would have closed. But as of now, no, all the charity shops are open. But as with all businesses, everybody's in business in any kind of retail sort of holding their breath for fear that we will move to level five. But as of now, no. And they'll love to see you coming with the clothes. Eileen, uh, drop them in, please. And on renewing of the driving licence and how unfair the listener feels it is, if you renew early, they take the months off you. They don't do like what they do with the NCT, where they they give you it's from the date of, of that you expired rather than renewal. Mary says, if you're renewing your passport, you get it from the date they issue it. I didn't realise that. It's not from the expiry date. The same thing should happen with their driving licence, says uh, Mary. A lot of people, I think, will agree with you on that. And to people who want to cross the county bounds, you know, we're getting calls in from Ballyvorney from people saying, can I go to Killarney to do my shopping? Mary says, hi, I live in McCroom. I need to go to Tralee soon to renew my driving licence. Will I be allowed to go, says Mary. OK, we're getting that one checked with the RSA we're, we're waiting to get that one uh, checked. So can you hang hang on with with that until we find out uh, for sure? Oh, yeah, this is the Ballyvorney one. Patricia's listener says, I live in Ballyvorney and there are two good shops in the village. Can I like to point that out? And also there's great shops in McCroom. McCroom is actually nearer than Killarney. People are never happy <laughs> to go to Killarney. Stick within your county, please, is the message from that listener. And we're, but we're trying to find out if people are allowed to cross the county bounds if not because somebody else says if the Gardaí have no power to stop you going through the checkpoints then surely the answer to all those people's questions about where they can't go is you can go where you like yeah but when you get stopped by the Gardaí they are going to educate and encourage you and try to explain to you the error of your ways of crossing the county bounds they're trying to say to people well a little bit like what Mary from Watergrass Hill with her great WhatsApp early we're all in this together there's, we're not being asked to do an awful lot 
a lot of what we're asked is inconvenient. A lot of it is to do with, okay, you can't socialise the way you normally did. But, you know, we're not being asked to go out and go through a field of landmines. We're not being asked to go to bed at night and the thought that a bomb might drop on top of your house. You know, what we've been asked to do really isn't as difficult as what previous generations were asked to do when they had to go through difficult uh, times. And if for a three-week period we're asked to remain within our county bounds, then can we just, unless it's an absolute emergency, can we not just suck it up and do what the powers that be are asking us to do because they're doing it. The information is coming from the health experts who are asking us to do it to look after ourselves and to look after our loved ones and to look after people who are much more medically vulnerable. And for a lot of people getting coronavirus, you know, it mightn't affect them at all or, you know, it mightn't, you might be just unwell for a week or two. But for others, you know, it's the difference between life and death and let's not forget that and let's not forget that we have lost. People have died in this country and are dying all over the world because of coronavirus. So if we can just stick with it stick with it for another while and hopefully hopefully this period of level 3 will only be for 3 weeks and I can see a lot of people are worried that it will go on even longer but I suppose that depends on how all of us collectively respond 1850 let's take a break and let's go to your gardening questions with Peter Dowdle coming up after these Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 and Peter Dowdle, the IrishGardener.com, uh, joining me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Mm, good afternoon, Peter. Oh, are we having tech problems with Peter? Can you hear me, Peter? I can hear, but I don't know whether I'm getting through to him or not. Can you hear me, Peter? No, okay, we're going to have to revert back to the old-fashioned way of doing it over the phone. I'm not getting through to Peter there. I'll let John Paul uh, deal with that for a sec. Okay, lots of people are giving suggestions for Dennis with the ring, his wedding ring, which has snapped. Okay, Desmond Jewellery Shop in Bandon is worth checking it out. They will certainly fix Dennis's wedding ring. He's excellent and it will reduce or increase the size of the ring, which helps to reinforce it if necessary. Okay, that's Desmond's Jewellery Shop in Bandon. And says Michael Ford Jewellers on Oliver Plunkett Street in Cork. They specialise in jewellery repair. So it's certainly that's another place uh, to look and there is um, that's in Limerick somebody's suggesting a place in Limerick Keynes in Cork a number of people are saying as well okay so there are a number of places in Cork we'll pass on all of that information to Dennis in Fremont and we'll keep an eye on see how Dennis gets on and hopefully after 39 years of marriage he'll have the ring fixed and back to him in time for the wedding anniversary on the 26th of October okay Peter is on the phone line good afternoon to you Peter we're going back to old school we are going back to old school, but it always works. So let's hang in there with that. OK, let me get straight in with questions. Firstly, if I can find this text that came in earlier and I know the picture was sent on to you um, on the WhatsApp. I just can't find it here now with all the other WhatsApps that are coming well, was, in. Have you got the picture question. there? I didn't actually see the picture, Trish, unfortunately, okay. but I, I, I got the question. It was about a cyanotis plant which had lost its leaves but still had roots. Now, as I say, I didn't see the picture. Um, but I think 
it's, you notice it's an evergreen plant, it's a beautiful evergreen, it's also called Californian lilac, which a lot of people will know it as. But uh, when an evergreen, like if a deciduous plant drops its leaves now, I'd say, okay, it's just coming into early leaf fall for the autumn and it should be fine. But with something like a Cianotis, it's evergreen. So it should never lose its leaves. So if it's only lost a few of them, I'd say maybe it got too wet or too dry. But if it's lost all of them, then certainly no, I, I, that would be bad news, unfortunately. Yeah, I, can, the, I have actually the picture in front of me. Yeah, the leaves are just gone uh, completely. Yeah, no, okay. it, for whatever reason, I don't know the reason, but it, no, it, it's unlikely to come back. Okay, it was from Mary, who's <laughs> in the wild west. She put on, she put on the text, and she wants to know: Should I keep cuttings inside? I would say at this time of the year, yes, it's getting a bit cold. It's not too cold yet, but we've had the odd kind of grass frost. Uh, so I'd say, yes, coming into the middle of October, keep cuttings inside if you have a glass house or a potty zone, or even a kitchen window, so it will do. OK, hi, uh, Patricia. Could you please ask Peter, is it too late to apply autumn lawn feed? That's from Joe. No, not, not at all too late for the autumn feed. So you're, you're in October. I'd look at something like the Winter Protect, the Lawn Gold Winter Protect, probably the best of them, um, because you're looking at something to encourage good root development over autumn, winter. So something high in potassium and phosphorus is what you want. You're, you're easing up on the nitrogen feeds. Uh, you want higher phosphorus and potassium for, for root development. Not too late at all. I would put, put them on any time up to the end of this month. Gat on Twitter is wondering if Peter Dowdell has noticed there are an awful lot of leaves have brown spots this year and silver birch trees have big black patches. It almost looks like a Dalmatian on the trunks. I hadn't. The short answer is I hadn't, uh, particularly not more so than, than normal. Um, but that's not to say just because I haven't noticed doesn't mean much. I don't notice a lot of things. Um, brown spots on leaves, as a general rule, is, is caused by things like a, a fungal leaf spot or possibly rust or something like that. And black spots on a birch tree would be something similar. Um, but no, I, I, in short, as I say, I haven't noticed them particularly worse this year. Okay, and probably now that it's been pointed out to you, you will start I'll noticing it. Every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mick says, question for Peter, please. Can you cut back a privet hedge? It's gone too high. Is now the yeah. right or the wrong time to do it? Well, yes, is the short answer. You can. You're 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 getting to being a bit too late, but you're still okay, really. October, um, so you could, you could do yes, absolutely. And if you if it, if we did start getting very cold weather and you didn't have the job done, well, then you can leave it alone then till the end of February, and you still have plenty of time then. Lucy, while cleaning out the shed this morning, discovered a bag of daffodil bulbs. But they're from last year. Is it, are they worth planting? The best, the best thing to do there is, is to check them with your 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 hands. So if the bulb soft, we're in the middle of, of bulbs here at the moment because I'm selling bulbs online on the theirishgardener.com and we're just we're up to our neck in daffodil bulbs, tulip bulbs, every kind of bulb. So I can tell you, if the bulb is soft. Uh, leave well alone, throw them out into the compost bin. But if they're firm to the touch, so if they're still kind of quite hard, that they should be fine, absolutely. Um, they're anyway soft, leave them go. Now, in terms of bulbs as well, just a general, because it is the time of year, so it's a general piece of advice. Everybody is saying, oh, I need to get my bulbs in, I need to get my bulbs in before it goes cold. Where actually, the, the opposite is nearly true, Trish. You really want to drop in temperatures before you plant your bulbs. You want to see the frost. You want to see that winter weather starting. Uh, before you, you put it. I know bulbs are appearing in supermarkets and garden centres early and earlier every year, even from August now you're seeing them. But of course, that's totally the wrong time to be planting them. You really need to wait till October. So it's now onwards is when you want to start planting your bulbs. You need the cold weather so that the bulbs know they're in winter. If you plant them too early, they'll come up too early. So uh, if those daffodils are still firm to the touch from last year, they should be fine. If they're soft, throw them out. 
but I'd still wait a while before I plant the bulbs. Okay. And then you like to stagger the planting, don't you? I do. I love it. If you, if you plant a few, let's say this week and a few next week, and do it over three, four, even up to eight weeks, that, that extends the flowering period in the spring, Christian. It's just lovely in the, in the springtime. Okay, somebody who signs themselves an amateur gardener could ask Peter, please, when to stop using tree ties and stakes? All of my trees were planted about 10 years ago and there's a variety of different trees. Okay, well then, yeah, you can absolutely stop. The most important thing when you're planting any tree, Trish, when you're at the time of planting, is that you get, well, water, obviously, but for the first couple of years, but also staking. So I often say to people, when you see kind of stakes that are nearly put in as, as an afterthought, they're not there for decoration. The reason for, for staking it is to stop the root ball rocking in the soil. It's not even to stop the tree snapping above the ground. That's unlikely to happen. But you, the reason you're staking it is to stop movement down low. And that mo- so it's as the roots make start anchoring them, the, the tree into the new soil. That's the important period. And that happens over the first two to three years. So uh, after year three, you could certainly remove the stakes. Um, they're there for 10 years now. Yeah, definitely you can remove them. Listener says, hi, I cut back, I cut down my hydrangea about two weeks ago and I'm wondering now, was it too soon? I would probably say yes, I'm afraid. I would normally, well, it, it might, if the, you know, it's a, it's a difficult one to call. The reason I'm hesitating there, Trish, is because if we don't get any severe frost or snow or ice this winter, then no, it wasn't too soon. But if we do, then it was a bit too soon. The, the reason you'd leave the growth on it uh, and, and, and the dead flowers on it over the winter is to just give the plant, give the base or the, the, the base of the plant that kind of blanket of cover, that protection uh, from the frost and snow. Uh, if you cut it back too early, it, it's completely exposed to the, the winter weather. But look, hydrangeas are tough. They're resilient. I mean, even in the very severe winters we've had over the last 10 years, uh, they've been fine. So I wouldn't worry too much. Hi, uh, Peter. Does Peter recommend using raised beds for growing vegetables outdoors? Does he have any tips for doing the same, please? And that's from Jim in South West Cork. Yeah, well, I certainly do, Jim, in South West Cork. I would recommend the use of raised beds for several reasons. Uh, now, when I say I recommend them, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't use ground-level beds as well. It depends. I mean, it, it's not, it, raised beds aren't suitable for every situation, number one, and some crops will do better out of them. But... Uh, the reason I would I would recommend them is, is there are several reasons. Number one, you can kind of create your own environment, your own soil in there. So if you have a limey soil and you want an acidic bed, you can create one in a raised bed because it's totally artificial, if you like. Um, and vice versa, if you have an acid soil and you want to create a limey area. Also, by raising it, you're you're creating, and because you're creating your own soil, you can you can have good drainage. You can create a bed with very good drainage because it's going to drain away. Uh, you're also raising, uh, because you're raising it up, you're raising it. <laughs> they used to believe it was because it was closer to God that the, the veg would do better. And you know what? Who am I to argue, Trish? Who am I to argue? It's either God or the sun or whatever, but plants do tend to, to raise, do better in raised beds. Um, the other the other reason is they're much easier to work with. So if you're anything like me and the, the hip is beginning to give a bit of trouble, the back is beginning to give a bit of trouble, you're not you're not stooping over as low. So if you can get a raised bed even you know it doesn't need to be this high, but if you could get it up forty centimetres to nearly hip height, you know, it's much easier to work at it. A couple of tips would be make it too wide. I wouldn't go any more than four foot in width because then again you can't get to the centre of it easily. So reach out your arm uh, and double that so you can get at it from both sides. That should be the maximum width of the bed. Uh, you could also, if you, if you if you want to practice the no-dig school of gardening, which is, as it sounds, where you don't dig the soil and you let the earthworms and the soil microbes and everything do their work, you just layer different different um, 
layers of organic matter and organic material uh, on the bed each year and just every few months and just work it up. Um, and that, that's that's another approach to, to growing fruit and vegetables. But the short answer is yes, I would recommend the use of raised beds. Okay, lots of people seem to be looking at nature. Another listener said they have noticed red berries on the holly bush. Uh, they've been they've noticed them since for the last two weeks. So that was into September. Is that very early? It's a bit early, and that's funny because I had noticed that myself actually a lot. And a lot of the the the, the hedgerow plants are bearing quite prolifically this year, which is often said to be a you know a, a forerunner for a harsh winter. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case or not, but certainly I have seen them very, and it is quite early, but I've also seen the autumn colour has been quite early this year as well, the autumn foliage colour. So I think it's more to do with the climate at the moment as opposed to what's necessarily about to come. But I hope anyway. Yeah, yeah, and actually I've got a holly bush as well in my garden, and but it always seems to have the red berries early. Uh, but it, it does seem to be particularly early uh, this year. And of course, that argument then, you do, when you want it at Christmas, there won't be a berry in sight. It won't, but the birds will be nice and fat. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, leave them to the birds. Christine in Cork, when is the best month to prune roses? Uh, the best month, in a short answer, is early February. Early February, but realistically, any time kind of between the end of November and February would be fine. But I leave mine till early February. Monica in Tonakilty has a Leilandi hedge. Uh, when is the best time to cut it? Is it now, or should she wait until the spring? I would say as well, wait till the spring. It was a bit like the, the privet hedge that somebody asked about earlier. Uh, you could do it now before the end of this month, and it's, it's not too late. It should be fine. But uh, you might be better off, if you don't get it done this month, you might be better off leaving it till mid-February. And Derry emailing the programme says, I have a large lawn, and with the last two years, it's been infected with a weed called, now this, Derry is calling it self-heal. It's a purple flower, very yeah, aggressive. Yeah, yeah. How, how, do, how do I get how, how does he get rid of it? And oh he God. also has a problem with moss. Okay, well moss, we, we, we'll deal with moss with the prunella, prunella vulgaris or self-heal, which is actually a very valuable herb. Um, you don't get rid of it, you learn to love it. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> purple flowers, it's really, really lovely. Now, I know he's probably switched off the radio. Because <laughs> he, <laughs> he wants the gorgeous green look. Yeah, the gorgeous green yeah. So, uh, I'm afraid I have no magic wand for you except getting out um, and getting it out by hand. Just get out. And I know that's not going to sound practical if the, if the large area, but go out there and get it out by hand, a small hand trowel and get rid of it. The best... Um, the best prevention, if you like, Trish, for, for weeds in the lawn. There are chemicals out there, but I'm not going to recommend anything because I, I don't like spraying these nasty weed killers out of the lawn. So um, the best prevention for weeds, uh, the best way to prevent weeds colonizing your lawn, if you like, is healthy lawn, is healthy grass growth. So, uh, And it's also the answer to the second part of the question, the best way to prevent moss growing in the lawn is healthy, gra- healthy grass growth. So if you give the lawn the right conditions, the correct pH, which is a slightly alkaline pH, so slightly limey, moss can't grow in that pH, moss can't tolerate it. But unfortunately, a lot of people use and a lot of the the moss-killing products are based on sulfate of iron, which creates the opposite. It does kill the moss, but it creates, in the longer term, it creates acidic soil. The moss will come back. So what you want to do is create a slightly alkaline growing conditions uh, and with good aeration and good drainage and scarifying maybe once a year, you will have a good, strong, healthy lawn where weeds don't come in or can't come in or certainly come in less. But of course, that, that's, that's how you do it very, very briefly. But the downside of that is that that's very, very high maintenance. I much rather a bit low maintenance and, and learn to love the wildflowers and the grass.
So mm. it, 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 it's kind of a personal one, but realistically, I'm afraid the only way to get out and get, get rid of that tail feel is to get out there with a hand throw. It's like the daisies. I love just learn yeah. to love the daisies. Okay, we'll leave it there, Peter. Have a good week. Andrew, thank you. We'll chat next week. Thank you for that. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishguardian.com. Thank you, Jim, to, who sends in a text saying, thanks to Peter for the lovely comprehensive answer on raised beds. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Jim, for taking the time for sending to send that in. I thought it was a great answer as well. He's just, love listening to Peter. He's just a mine of information when it comes to gardening. Okay, that's where I have to leave you for today. My thanks to Sadie and John Paul for taking your calls. We are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, Mark Malone is in for Nick Richards so he's up next and we'll talk to you as I say tomorrow at 10 o'clock until then I'm Patricia Messenger have a very good afternoon look after yourself and stay safe Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.